because he is amazing. And this song was sung in such a wonderful way. And I just thank the Lord uh, for the goodness and the greatness of our Savior. And I just want to give thanks to God today for how the Lord has been. We've tried to lift the Lord up in, in song today. The, the special this morning, man, I'm still chewing on that. And y'all just, y'all need to chew on it too. It is a blessing this morning. And then you hear our Savior magnified and like he has been tonight. It's just wonderful. It's a blessing. Thank you, Brother Matt and Miss Julie, for that. I'm so, so very thankful for the goodness for the goodness of God and for the gift of music and the power to help our faith. It is, it is a blessing. Um, I just, I just want to talk to you for a minute about a, a few different things. Number one, I appreciate uh, Brother Max just allowing himself to be a dad in front of us. I don't know if you could hear it, but there's some emotion in there. There's some in, intensity, and, and that's a blessing. And, and I, hope, I hope that as you're aware, as the Lord brings different students to your mind that are away, think about Alex, think about Melina uh, down at West Coast, and, and there are others, um, Tories at Heartland. There's some other child at Heartland, but we don't really care about her. Um, um, you, just, you think about these, man, just pray for them. Just pray for him. And pray for him with this in mind that one day, if the Lord's willing, that's going to be you and your child in some form or capacity. And so just, you know, be mindful of that. But then it does add so much value to what we're trying to do with the Connect class. Because it's, it's career and college, and, and we have some college students from out of town that the Lord's giving our church through that class access to. And they, they need a family of faith. And it's been amazing to see how the Lord's just opening this up. I'm loving it. And so we want to be to young people here what we want others to be to our young people when God has them out there. It's good. No, that is, that's good. So I'm, I'm thankful for it. That's a blessing. Speaking of uh, classes, uh, Brother Don, I'm, I just, you can be bored. I'm excited about this. They had, they had breakfast today, and I don't know if this is the Holy Spirit or him just bribing people, uh, but they have breakfast in there once a month, a birthday breakfast, and for those of you who are discontent about it, um, get over it. Like, well, I wish we, I don't want to hear about it. I, I just, I do not, do not want to hear about this right now, <laughs> but they had, they had 33 in there today. It's been great for the Royal Airs, and just... Um, how many of you that are in, the, in that class are, in, are being helped by being in that class or enjoying it? Is it a blessing? Yeah, good, good. I think there were 10 people that are being helped. Um, so <laughs> it's a joke. It's totally, totally just messing around. Man, Brother Don, Mr. Jerry, and everyone that's in that class, thank you. I got I to mention something about Brother Vi. You said nobody wants to hear you sing. I actually do. And I, I enjoyed that video that we played. Do you remember that video, Brother Patrick? <laughs> Does anybody just want to hear that for no reason? Do, do you have it right there? No, okay. So the, this is just some, I guarantee you he can find it. I no, it's okay. We're not going to do it right now. I just, I think what, I mean, Brother Patrick and I and the other guys that work back there, we're learning to work together. And eventually they're going to have it like, I just need to have certain things on file and just ready to play. At any moment, because I, you know, he's like, nobody wants to, well, I, I do, bro, and I appreciate, 
Appreciate you. The girls, that was a great job on the offertory. Miss Jessica, today, this morning, that was a blessing. And then girls, um, y'all, did a, y'all did a good job. They actually arranged that together and just did a really good job with it. I'm thankful for it. Uh, well, I want to show one more thing. Uh, Brother Max was talking about the live stream. I want to show you a picture, and it's, it's me and some dude that you'll probably never meet. You're like, what is that? Okay, so I was at a church planning conference. This guy is not a pastor. He, his pastor in a small town that you'll probably never visit in Nebraska, his pastor led him to the Lord. And, and through that process, he's just, he's growing and excited, and God is using him, using him to reach other people. But he, he just devours preaching right now. And I, I show up at this church planning conference and he says, you don't know me, but I see you every week. <laughs> Look, y'all think that's cool. I hate it. I hate it. If God uses that, praise the Lord. But that is paranoid. It just causes paranoia in me, but whatever. And so I just, I just doing this to give a real quick shout out to Brother Patrick, Brother Scott, Brother Adam, Brother Z, others that help out back there. Man, it's a help to have this ministry right now. And it was a great segue, Brother Max, so please take that picture down. I'm tired of looking at it. All right, so that's that. Guess it's already been said. Thanks for hanging out with us tonight. It's a blessing to have you here, and thanks for indulging me. It's good to be able to just talk and trying to just try to enjoy the time together. I really got a kick internally. Brother Nate, today he, he stopped, and we're, blessed assurance is what we were singing. He said, no, we're going to... Brother, pastor didn't interrupt this, but we need to sing this again. And I was thinking, if you don't, I am. So that's good stuff. It was good. It was good today. Just thankful for it. All right, Luke uh, chapter 6. Luke chapter 6. And uh, when you found your place, would you stand, please, to honor God's word as we read it? Luke chapter 6, verse number 17. Verse number, actually, I want to read verse number 17, and then we'll drop down to verse number 20. And so I have uh, two things to make you aware of about this message tonight. Number one, there's going to be similarities to last week. And number two, if, if this just is a dud. I'm just telling you, I've wrestled with this. And I, and I don't know why I wrestle with different passages. And I thought this was going to go a different direction than it has. Um, but we're going to, uh, tonight, the Lord willing, I'm just going to try to lay a little bit of a foundation. Then we're going to look at these Beatitudes. You can find a sister passage to this in Matthew chapter 5. But we're going to try to lay a little bit of a foundation for the things that he's going to talk about that Jesus talks about with his disciples. And so I'm going to set it up. We're going to read the entire passage, but then I'm more going to give an overview and and then specifically a philosophy that I really want our church to get about being a disciple of Jesus Christ. And and you've heard me reference it in different ways and talk about it at different times. So please uh, allow it to continue to permeate your thinking about about church life, but more importantly, to permeate your thinking about what it means to be a Christian. 
and about how you follow the Lord and about how you are working in your marriage and how you are working on your own life as a single adult, how you are working to raise your children, young people, please think about this as you seek to understand what it means to be a disciple for yourself. Because listen, you can't, right now you're here, make eye contact with me, guys, girls, look at me. Right now you're here primarily, not exclusively, but primarily because your parents want you to be here. But you can't live off of that all your life. And there's going to come a day when their faith has to become your faith, not because it was their faith, but because it's right. Because it's right. And, and this is an important lesson to learn. It's just an overview. Look, I don't, I don't want to get your hopes up. In my study, I'm like, this is probably going to take 15 minutes. Now, having said that, it's probably going to take like 55 minutes now, and so I'm sorry for that. But I want you to get this, young people. I want to be reminded of it. And so if, it, if it's a flop, I'm sorry. I'm just coming out and saying it. I wrestled with this. But if the Lord will use it to be a help, then we'll give him glory for it, as always. And so, Luke chapter 6. Verse 17, so he, he came down with them and stood in the plain in the company of his disciples and a great multitude of people. So you see, that, that's what I want you to get. He's called his disciples in the previous verses, called them, named them apostles, and then he comes down with them, and so you have this contrast of the multitudes and the disciples. Okay, uh, please get this, multitudes, in, according to the text, they get a surface benefit from him. But disciples really know him. Multitudes can get a glimpse of what he's capable of. But disciples see it come to life. And it's not just in them, it's through them. I, I don't want to settle for a multitude exposure. I don't want to settle for a level of following Jesus in the multitude, meaning I need you to fix this and then I'm good. No, I want, I want to be his follower. I want his life to be pouring out of my life. Now, I haven't arrived. I'm not even close. I'm just telling you what I want. I, I want it to pour out in being her husband. I want it to pour out in being her dad. I want it to pour out in being her pastor. I want it to pour out of me that, man, there is an effort to be his disciple. And so that's what Jesus wanted. In verse 20, he lifted up his eyes. Notice he, he's bringing his focus on his disciples. He lifted up his eyes on his disciples and said, and this is amazing what he says, and we're going to deal with each one of these and it's week by week, and there's four of them. I think it'll be week by week, and we'll briefly reference them tonight. Blessed be ye poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are ye that hunger now, for ye shall be filled. Blessed are ye that weep now, for ye shall laugh. Blessed are ye when men shall hate you, and when they shall separate you from their company, and shall reproach you and cast out your name is evil for the Son of Man's sake. Excuse me. Rejoice ye in that day and leap for joy. For behold, your reward is great in heaven. 
for in the like manner did their fathers unto the prophets. Then we see a shift in verse 24. But woe unto you that are rich, for ye have received your consolation. Woe unto you that are full, for ye shall hunger. Woe unto you that laugh now, for ye shall mourn and weep. Woe unto you when all men shall speak well of you, for so did their fathers to the false prophets. And so the, the title is just a simple statement of what I've already said, the characteristics of a disciple and the kind of life that Jesus desires to produce in all of us. Father, I love, I love you. Sure do thank you for loving us and... Uh, Everyone in this room tonight can take comfort that you, as, as their child, as your child, sorry, as your child, if they have trusted in Jesus to be their Savior, as your child, that you have set your affection upon them. And tonight they don't, they don't need to feel alone, they don't, they don't need to feel insignificant because the eternal God who created all things, who holds all things together by the power of his word, who loved them enough to die for them, he has, you have set, oh God, your affection upon them. And so God, we ought to be comforted by that and rejoice in that. But Lord, tonight you also not only want to affirm the value of each of your children to yourself in them. You not only want to affirm them, but God, you want also to produce in us a very specific life. And so God, would you please help us tonight to be sensitive and receptive and responsive and, and to get, Lord, help me to be able to communicate this, what I believe is a biblical philosophy that's taught in many places, but Jesus drives home some characteristics that are non-negotiable for one who will be a disciple. So Lord, would you help us to get it tonight? In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Thanks so much for standing. You know, we're on the, we're on the look for property and, and looking for property um, for our looking for property for our church, and I've been around looking at houses in the valley and different things like that. And and uh, brother Robbie, obviously, he knows some stuff about property. And I was I was looking at one with him one time, and uh, just I I evaluated it to be man, this is an amazing property. To my novice eyes, this is an amazing property. And then because of his experience and his insight, he begins to tell me, man, there's a whole lot of negatives about that that you don't see. And you're just kind of measuring it from, from the outside. And he, he didn't say it like this in a rebuking way, but just explaining to me the things that you have to learn to look for. And like, you're, just, you're just measuring this only by what you can see, but there are other factors and this property really isn't worth what we would have to pay for it. 
because then you're going to have to not only pay for it, but there's going to be a multitude of investment on top of it that, it, that exceeds what the property itself is worth. And so just understanding how to measure the value of something and, and understanding that sometimes looks on a property can be deceiving. Sometimes looks on a, on a property can be deceiving. That's not the only place that that's true. And there are a lot of different other areas where I could, I could illustrate this. I'll, I'll give you one more just for fun. You could throw a football helmet on me and football pads. Like, that's a football player. Okay, you're like, that look wouldn't be deceiving. <laughs> but just, be, just because you have the garb on... Just because you have the appearance of doesn't mean you are, are genuinely, doesn't mean you are authentic, doesn't mean it's exactly, it's exactly telling the whole story. There's more going on than, than just what you see. Jesus is trying to combat in his disciples what permeated the religious culture at that time, which was this. We measure our being right with God, and we measure our spiritual depth by outward demonstrations of religious motion. Not that, please don't misunderstand, not that the outward demonstrations of religious motion were wrong in and of themselves, but when outward demonstrations of religious motion are the means by which you measure your spirituality, you are going to find you're going to find that Christ has a complete, completely different measuring stick. And he was dealing with spiritual leaders. Jesus was dealing with spiritual leaders specifically. And we've covered that in these beginning chapters of Luke. Who They measured themselves by the external. I fast, I pray, and, and this was their favorite thing. I'm not like that dude. Now let's just, let's just be honest for a moment. Not, not that anyone would go out and say that, but we can so quickly fall into that ditch. No, I do this, I do this, I read this, I wear this, I go to this place, and I'm not like that dude. Look at how good I'm doing. But Jesus wanted those religious leaders to understand that you can, you can have the look of being right with God and not actually be right with God. And what the world evaluates, what the world estimates to actually be a spiritual life, much of it doesn't carry any water before a holy God. Because God doesn't look at things the same way that we do. And Jesus doesn't measure spiritual depth, spiritual maturity, spiritual growth the way that we do. And he has a right to do that. He's the one who gave us this life. He's the one who authored salvation. He's the one who is the beginning, the author, and the end of our faith. And, and it's his kingdom that is being brought to pass in our hearts. And so he has a right to teach us how he actually measures spiritual depth and spiritual maturity. And I, I hope that there is within you this desire, this passion that we not settle for. That none of us settle for simply checking off a box. I don't, I don't want to live this life 
pouring myself into something that's just checking off a box. Say, okay, I did my God thing. And if we can be honest, we have gone. Many in here would have to, give, have to be honest and say, I've been through seasons in my life where this was nothing more than just checking off a box. I did my God thing like I do brushing my teeth. Not that there's, that there's not value in a habit, but that, that's all it was. And you measured your spirituality by the boxes that you could check rather than the Savior to whom you were being conformed. And that's what we've turned. In, in this day, we have turned Jesus into that. No, there is a box that I check. There is a rule that I keep. There is a standard that I submit to. There is a thing that I do on a regular basis. And because I check that box, that means I'm spiritual. And here you have the Pharisees saying, I wear this, I go here, I do this, and I'm not like them. And I hate it when it happens, but sometimes we take comfort in what we are not. Well, I haven't done that. I haven't been like them. All the while forgetting how God actually sees us. And forgetting, okay, like me, super excited about this property. Ah, gym, church, big buildings, going to be great. And then Brother Robbie like, ah, that's a terrible idea. <laughs> Not that he would say it that directly. You've, you know, sometimes we can think, man, God, look at God. Look at what I'm doing. And Jesus is trying to teach his disciples who have been inundated with a form of religion that doesn't actually know God, trying to help them understand, listen, if you really want my life, it actually looks way different than what the establishment has told you. So in, in the beginning of verse 20, we see a word introduced. And then in the beginning of verse 24, we see another word introduced. And, and before we get into what those words represent, I want you to see the contrast of these words. First, there's the word blessed. I'm not, I'm not going to get into all of that, but it means to be the most beneficial, to be in the most beneficial and well-favored position. To experience true well-being as a result of being right with God. Now here's the challenge with that. You can be right with God, but not be checking all the boxes that the world says are a blessed life. Meaning, the world says a blessed life is a life with a lot of money. Now is it, pers is it possible for a person with a lot of money to also be blessed? Yes, but having a lot of money is not why you're blessed. No, being, having a blessed life is because you get to live in a dream house or you have a dream job or you have this dream relationship or you have this dream health. Is it possible to have those things and be blessed? Yes, but those things are not the source of the blessing. They're not the reason that you're blessed or not blessed. You see, being blessed is not a result of tangible things. It's a result of being right with God. To be blessed is to be in the most. And by the way, being right with God, though it may not seem like it in the moment, is far more valuable and beneficial to you. Young men, please get this. Young ladies, get it. It's far more beneficial to you in the long run of your life to be right with God than it is to have the best of what the world says is most important. Because that has only left people disappointed and empty and broken. So blessed. 
is to be in the best position possible as a result of being right with God. In verse 24, we see this word, woe. Not woe as in your horse. Not woe as in what you say to your teenager when you're teaching them how to drive. But woe as in the sense of someone who is the opposite of blessed, keep it in the context, who is rather than being in the best possible position with God, you are in the most unfavorable condition. You're in a place that is going to result in calamity, in disaster. And I read after one author who described the word woe in this sense, it's referring to a coming state of damnation. Meaning being under, not the favor of God, but being under the judgment of God. Now I want you to notice this, and we're, when we, as we preach through it, we're going to contrast each one. And so the Lord willing, beginning next Sunday night, We'll start with these two, but verse 20, the first part of verse 20, the first part of verse 24, contrast the poor and the rich. Humility versus pride. Recognizing your spiritual depravity or living as though you don't need or you, you have it all figured out on your own. In verse 21 and verse 25, you have hunger versus being full. A desire or an indifference. A desire to desperately, like the deer that's referenced in Psalm, that panteth after the water brook, so my soul longeth after thee, O God. Or this, this indifference in your heart that is, that is not interested at all in the things of God. In verse 21, it talks about blessed, you're blessed if you weep, verse, verses verse 25, woe unto you that laugh. There are those who they weep because of the soberness of eternal realities and they weep because of the seriousness of sin. And then there are, there are those who are callous and they only make a mock at thing and they do not take the things of God seriously. In verse 22 it talks about you're blessed when you're reviled. In verse 26, you woe unto you if the world loves you. By the way, I'm not preaching on this point tonight. just want to throw this out there as a reminder. If everybody in the world loves everything, if everybody in a lost world loves everything about you, that's not a good indication. You say, no, 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 no. We're not supposed to live our lives to try to be weirdos, to try to be hated, to try to be a target. But in the, in, in the act of following Jesus Christ and emulating him, people are going to hate it. And if everybody approves of everything that you're doing, that's not a good indication. So what's the point of this? It's to teach what a true disciple looks like. So he's contrasting the characteristics of those who are saved and those who are trying to follow Jesus Christ and allow his life to be formed in them with someone who has rejected Jesus Christ. Now please note this, and I believe this is important. Who, I've already answered this question, but please say it out loud. Who is he specifically? It's in the text. Who is he addressing? Disciples. You're, you're not a disciple in order to get saved. You're a disciple because you are saved. Discipleship is not something you do to achieve salvation. As you know, you can't achieve salvation. No, 
And disciple is not something that you do because you're perfect, because none of us are. Disciple, being a disciple is something that you do because you desire to be a follower of and an emulator of the Lord Jesus Christ. So this is not about how to get saved. This is what salvation ought to produce and what the absence of it produces. Okay, pause for just a moment on this. His life is supposed to produce something specific. Is that fair or not? Okay, I, Addison did a great job. Addie, stand up. Joy, stand up. My Asian daughter, my white daughter. You're like, why do you say that? Because she calls me white dad, so I call her Asian daughter. Like, that's weird. Yeah, it's okay. You'll get over it. Her mom knows about it. Y'all turn around and look. Turn around and look at everybody. Don't be weirdo, Addie. Just turn around. <laughs> turn around and just smile. I have very specific expectations of both of them, but especially of that one. But of, but of both of them. No, no, you represent. You represent more than yourself. You, you represent something more significant than you even have the ability to comprehend right now. Because I, I, want, I want my children to understand, and I want joy to understand. And, and I look at Gretchen, and I look at Audrey, and I look at Mike, and I look at Jonathan, and I look at, I look at Caleb, and, and, and I just go all the way down the line. And I look at the girls over here, and the guys over here, and I look at the young people, and then I, I look at the adults. And I, and I think sometimes we miss this, that we represent, represent something far more significant than we can comprehend. And, and I have very, because she, she is my daughter, because Addison is my daughter, I have very specific expectations of her. Get this, and I'm allowed to, because I'm her dad. And I understand we live in a world today that's turned parenting upside down on its head to now where parents are hijacked and they feel like they've got to get their children's permission in order to be their parents. But I'm just telling you, whether your child's 18 or two months old, you don't need their permission to be their parent. You say, well, 18. I, don't, I understand what the law says, but if a child is still under your authority, you still have authority over them. You don't have to ask for permission. You say, yeah, praise the Lord. Girls, you can sit down. Jesus doesn't ask us for permission to tell us what his expectations are. He doesn't ask us. He, he doesn't say, hey, Peter and James, how would you define being a disciple? Well, this is how I would define it. I would define it as my life being really comfortable and us catching a lot of fish and things just going well for us. Well, how would, you, how would you define being a disciple, Matthew? Well, I would define being a disciple as I get to follow you and still get to make all this money, and I don't really have to make anything right with anybody that I've cheated. I just, as a tax collector, I just, I just get to enjoy my comfortable life. Well, how would you define being a disciple, Andrew? Well, well, well this is what I would do. I would define being a disciple as never being in prison and never, nothing bad ever happening to me. Well, how would you define being a disciple, sir? Thomas, how would you define being a disciple? Well, I would define being a disciple as never having to be in a position where my faith is going to be stretched. No, he doesn't ask us. Do you get it? He sits down with them, and he opens truth, and he presents it to them and says, this is what it is, 
and this is what it's not. And you're not doing this in order to be saved, but this is the life that ought to be produced in you. So let me just give some facts about this life, and then I'm going to give you the statement. Number one, faith in Jesus should produce specific characteristics. We're going to look at it, and it is very specific. And as we look at these things over the next few weeks, Lord willing, you're going to have to have an attitude that says, God, you're allowed to tell me specifically what should be and should not be in my life. Because God, God doesn't speak to us. His word does not speak to us in these general declarations, and we can just kind of decide whatever. No, he's, he speaks to us specifically about our life. Number, number two, this life is going to be offensive to those who trust in religious motion. Look, I, I, please don't misunderstand. I don't think that we have a problem here, at least right now. I don't think that we have a problem people thinking that I'm saved because I come to this church. Do we have a problem with that? Okay. Oh, okay. Do we have a problem with that? No, no. Not even a little bit. We don't have a problem with that. But here's what we can develop a problem with is, is that we, we get offended because more is made, Jesus makes more of what we are in here than he does what we are out here. Not that out here doesn't matter. But we, we live in a culture that exclusively measures things by externals. And churches have been influenced by this. And, and you ask, let, let me just explain how this can happen in a church. You ask, you ask a pastor, how's it going at your church? Man, it's going terrible. We haven't had anybody saved in like 10 weeks, and we're only filling up about half of our building, and it's just, it's just awful. Let me ask you a question. Is it possible that a pastor is doing everything he should be doing, and that a congregation is doing everything they ought to be doing, and that the results just aren't producing in numbers like they want them to? Is that possible? Yeah, and churches can defeat themselves. You know what else can happen? Man, you, man, it's just booming and it's pouring in. It's like, man, how's it going? Well, we have these numbers and this is coming in and this is going on. And then we think that we have the blessing of God just because there's good numbers. There's a whole lot of places with good numbers that are very far from God. And you're going to have to be, uh, understand that those who would measure life measure the spiritual life by externals, this is going to be offensive to them. It's also possible to have religious motion, but to be void of spiritual life. I'm afraid of this. Young, young people, I, I, don't, I don't at all apologize that we apply positive pressure. By the way, this is a whole other message. It's okay for your children to feel pressure at church if it's the right kind. Because I guarantee you the world is applying pressure to them. It's, uh, it's okay for Brother Robbie and Miss Marcella to apply some pressure and Brother Fiavai and Miss Rothina to apply some pressure. It's okay for your pastor to look them in the face and say, how are you doing on this? And are you having a good attitude? And to apply some positive pressure. You want that. I'm not, I'm not sorry for that. You gotta, but, but young people, please, please understand. Please get this. You're not spiritual because you sit in a church service every week. You know what's a really good indication of your spirit, of your spiritual depth? Is your attitude towards your parents right now. 
You know, it's a really good indication of your spiritual depth, your spiritual maturity. Look at me, guys. Look at me. It's what you allow your thoughts to think when nobody's looking. You say, yeah, that's good for them. It's also good for you. It's also good for me. That God doesn't measure spiritual depth by religious motion. Listen, I, I'm, not, I'm not ashamed of this. I, 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 want you, I want you to want this for your pastor. If I'm going to preach and you're going you're gonna to listen to me, then I want it to be useful. I want God to be in it. I, I don't want there to ever be a service where we aren't hearing from God, whether it's me or someone else. If God's going to put me in this, I want to be useful to his kingdom at it. But please understand this. A pastor can be a great orator, not that I am. A pastor can be an effective communicator, not that I am, but I strive to be. But a pastor can be all of those things up here and then be completely void of spiritual life in private. We check boxes off. You got to understand it's possible to be full of motion, but void of spiritual life. Another thing to consider is this life is impossible to those who've not been saved. <laughs> this is impossible. You're like, no, I could do that. Not on your own. You are, without Christ, you're dead in trespass and sin. This complies a complete, this, this requires a complete forsaking of self. An embracing of a Savior who did not come to be ministered to, but to minister. Who was willing to lay his life down. And in the same way, in order to have his life, there must be a willingness to lay ourselves down on, on, at the feet of his cross and allow the desires of our flesh to be cruci- crucified with him over and over. I'm not talking about getting saved over and over. I'm talking about identifying with what he did on the cross and in the resurrection to enable us to live this kind of life. But not only is it impossible for someone who's not saved to live this life, to live this life, it's also impossible for someone who is saved but is living for the flesh to live this life. Just, just two more things. People can seem to have it all together but can be far from having God's blessing in their life. You know, what that, you know what that's like? Let me, let me ask you this. Don't answer this out loud. Please, nobody answer this out loud. Do you know what it's like to know that other people think you have it all together, but then privately in your heart, you know, man, I really, I really need some help. You know what that's like? It's hard, isn't it? I, I want to encourage you not to fall into the trap of assuming that everything that you see is everything that is. And I also want to encourage you even more fervently not to allow people's estimation of you to actually be the determining factor of where you're at in your life. Look, I want to, I want, I want people to sense God in my life. But you know what I want more than you sensing it? I actually want to have God in my life. And I can't settle. I cannot settle 
for people thinking one thing as, as the chief measurement of my life. I must pursue him for myself and you as well. Last of all, these are, things, these are not things that you feel. Part of the, the problem with the charismatic, look, we're almost done. The, the part of the problem with the charismatic movement, part of it, with secular Christianity, all of these things is that it embraces and it promotes a feeling first faith. Part, but there, there's more than one reason, but part of the reason we keep our music simpler, part of the reason, and simpler doesn't mean without quality. And one day, I, I'm hopeful because we have instrumentalists, I'm hoping one day, I just dream, I'll share this with you, I would, I would like to have that thing, I lost it, orchestra, <laughs> it's rough, I'm having a rough day today, y'all, <sighs> I, would, I would like to have, I would like to have an orchestra like that, but we're never, we're never going to have we're never going to, the, the goal of having music is not that everyone is always worked up emotionally. No, it's that we think the right way about God. Now, could you sense the emotion today? Could you sense the emotion in the Marshall special tonight? Absolutely. It's not wrong to feel, but feeling should not be the driving force of what we do. I just want to encourage you with this is, as we work through these steps of what it means to be a disciple, it's not always going to feel good. Like, I don't, this doesn't feel good. Look at, look at that. They just feel good all the time. Well, you don't actually know that. Well, I want to ask you this about Jesus. Did the cross feel good? Did the rejection feel good? Did ministering to people that cried out his praises one moment, that he knew in short moments after that, that he knew would one day cry out for him to be crucified, did that feel good? No. The, the, so you can't measure your spiritual life by what feels good in a moment. If I can, can give you this, it's the best life. The life of a disciple is not the easiest life, but it's the best life. The life of a disciple is not always going to make you excited. The life of the, a disciple is not always going to produce immediate gratification, but it is the best life. You ready for why? Because it's the blessed life. The life of a disciple is the best life because it's a blessed life. So let me ask you, as we get into this, I'm not, I'm not even assuming that anyone would, there would be something specific to respond to tonight except for that the Lord has spoken to your heart. But please understand that being a disciple is a life that you must choose. He makes it available, but you have to choose it. Being a disciple is a life that begins inside out. You know what being a disciple is not? Wearing a suit. No, I'm not saying we don't. We shouldn't wear it. I wear a suit on purpose. I, I had a conversation this past week with somebody about why I wear a suit. Hey, why do you wear a suit? You know, and people are surprised when I actually answer that question because they think I think something that I don't actually think. 
You know what I'm afraid far too many of God's people fall into? Being a disciple is some box that I check. Nope. You know what being a disciple is? It's allowing him to have control of you in here. It's inside out. Can it, I just want to throw one more thing in here. That being a, this is the reason I try to be really careful about majoring on things that can be popular topics just to get people to say amen. Because that's what we've made following Jesus Christ. It's an amen button. And as long as I agree with all of these positions, then I'm good. Are you saying those positions aren't important? Not at all. I'm just saying that the life of Jesus Christ is something much deeper than just one position. It's a relationship with him that transforms everything about you from the inside out. And I can stand before God in a suit with this Bible and answer to him one day and be a complete fraud. Is what I want. I want it to be real for, for all of us. The life of a disciple is an inside-out life. That is the best life because it's a blessed life. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. Father, ad- admittedly, I, you know my wrestlings with just tonight in particular, and then you know my... Lord, I I trust that you would use your word to be helpful to your people. And that in the process of being a disciple, we we would strive to allow you to produce your life in us and through us. So God, even with some of the things we talked about tonight, would you help us to take stock of it? to take stock of our own spirituality of our own maturity of our own desire and and to be willing to be honest with you and to grow in your grace Lord if there are young people less young people measuring spirituality the wrong way pray that you would use tonight and then use the forthcoming messages as you're willing to Help us to view spiritual maturity in the right way. Thank you that you love us in Jesus' name. With every head bowed and every eye closed, every head bowed, every eye closed, I wonder if there would be any of God's children that would raise their hand and say, I struggle in certain areas to measure spirituality actually Jesus' way. And maybe it's not all been dealt with, but I, I can sense in me in my own life, that there are some things that I say, yep, this makes me spiritual, but I know there are internal things that God sees that I struggle with and that I neglect. And I just, I need God's help to measure spirituality the right way in my own life and to pursue it the right way. Would you raise your hand and say, that's me. Yeah, I see him. I see him all over the place. God bless you for your honesty. Well, let's just take the time to respond to the Lord. Can you stand together? If you want someone to pray with you, please come forward. Brother Nate's going to sing. If God has spoken to your heart, you respond to him.